All right, so I have the privilege to introduce to you our speaker for today. I'm not going to tell too much partially because he's going to tell his story. I don't want to tell it, but also partially because you've probably heard me talk a lot about Jay, if you don't know, in my sermons already. And you're like, all right, Eric, let's skip that and get to Jay talking about his story instead of you, which I can relate to because I kind of feel that way myself. But uh, I love uh, what God has been doing in him. It's been a privilege to be able to be part of that journey. Jay is a pastor uh, at Friends Church, Your Belinda in Orange. I've known him for a long time, only a little bit, and for a short time, a lot. And so I'm just excited for you to hear from him today. So there's going to be a little video that intros that. After that video, I want you to give him a big round of applause. All right, here we go. Do it. I will teach by example and hand down a life dedicated to love, resilience, faith, and true strength. Love. Dear one, I will show you how to cherish and sacrificially serve those you love. Expect the same in return. Resilience. Courageous child, I will always have your back as you do hard things. Hold on to hope, faith. Treasured soul, I will walk worthy of my spiritual calling without veering. Follow me and find truth. Strength. Young hero, I will press on and give everything I have for you. Carry the fire, fan the flame, use your might to lift others up. I'm not superhuman. I'm weak, but I'm strong. Calvary Church. It is good to be here with you. Hello, Calvary Church. Hello, Calvary outside and online. It is awesome to be here. I'm Jay, and I am an Ironman Foundation athlete. And in the triathlon community, I've been dubbed as Iron Dad. I want to tell you a little bit about that. Before I say anything else, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you because people from this church, without even meeting me, came around me, rallied around me, and supported me in the most difficult time in my life. And so I want to say thank you. And you have blessed me. And as I tell about God's faithfulness in my life, I pray that it is a blessing to you as well. So uh, who am I? What am I doing? Uh, I am hopeful that I can be the type of dad who teaches by example. Who, who lives a life that's dedicated to love and faith and resiliency and strength, uh, that I can hand that down to, to my daughter. Now, I decided to do an Ironman in her honor, and a lot of people are like, what does an Ironman have to do with your daughter? Well, I want to tell you. I want to tell you. I felt like by dedicating an Ironman to my daughter, I would be able to write a love letter to her with my life. You see, I've written a letter to my daughter every year on her birthday. I fill the pages with words of encouragement and affirmation, and I just cherish her for who she is, not what she, what she does, because she's enough just who she is. I write that letter, I fold it up, I put it in an envelope, then I melt wax and I seal it and I take an iron stamp and I imprint my initials on it. 
Then I take that letter and I hide it away. I've got six letters now. And six years ago when I started this on her first birthday, I imagined that at some point, at the right moment, I would hand her a stack of letters. I knew that the Holy Spirit would, would uh, show me when that right time was, but I imagined it would be at a moment, maybe the first time her heart was broken. Or maybe when she graduated high school and uh, she was scared of what was going to come next, scared that maybe she made the wrong decision of college. Or maybe it's when she graduated college and now she's scared again to go after her dream job. Or maybe she got that dream job and lost it. Maybe that's when I would hand her the letters. Or maybe when she got married, I'd hand her these letters as a way to hand off the torch to her husband. When I started this six years ago, a scenario that never entered my mind was maybe my wife would hand her the stack of letters at my memorial service. I was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, and the doctors told me I might only have six more letters to write. And when I was diagnosed, I saw an opportunity. I saw an opportunity to make a mark of love on my daughter's heart, an impression of faith that's resilient. Let me tell you how that came about. So uh, I had a seizure out of nowhere. I was, it was a Tuesday. I was walking to, to a meeting. I felt strange. I laid down on the pews. And then when the seizure was done, I was confused. So I went to the doctor. The doctor sent me for tests. I had an MRI, and then I waited. I got a call from the, the doctor. It was a neurosurgeon. I'd never met him before. It was a Sunday afternoon. I just got home from church, and this neurosurgeon said, Jay, I'm looking at your scan, and you have a brain tumor. Took the air out of me. But when I'm in a dangerous situation, I am all fight, so I got all business. And I asked him, does this mean I'm going to need brain surgery? He said, most likely, yes. And I asked him, is this cancer? And he said, we're not sure yet. So I said, thanks, I'll be at your office tomorrow morning. I hung up the phone. I quietly walked upstairs in the soft, gentle afternoon light. And my wife was in our room. She just bought a new dress. She just tried it on. She saw me, she smiled, and she said, hey, can you help zip me up? So I came behind her, I zipped up the dress, and then I turned her towards me. And I said, honey, I just got a call from a neurosurgeon, and I have a brain tumor. She fell into me, and then we gently collapsed onto the bed. And then for those of you that have had health complications, you know there's this torturous time of waiting. You're not quite sure. I knew I had a brain tumor, but I didn't know if it was cancerous, and I had to wait. And so as I waited, I did what everyone does, not just Christians, anyone in this situation, I prayed, God, help, heal, make this not be, I please, God, please don't let this be cancer. Tests ran, I was in a doctor's office, my wife was with me, and the neuro-oncologist told me, Jay, your tumor is cancerous. My wife started crying, I put my hand on her leg, and I braced myself to fight for my life. 
The next day, I took my daughter to school. I dropped her off at preschool. Then I went to Dunkin' Donuts to drown my sorrows with a maple bar. <laughs> I got my maple bar, pulled through the drive-through, sat in the parking lot, and I asked God a very direct question. It wasn't an angry question, but it was straightforward. I said, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he answered me. Not in an audible voice, but in the way that Jesus promises his Holy Spirit will work. He took my mind to the scriptures, to the things that Jesus had already said and already taught. He took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul has this mysterious illness, and he prays three times for the thorn in his flesh, what he calls it, three times for it to be removed. Now, three in the Bible is a number of completeness. What it's telling us is Paul prayed it through and through. He prayed this thing until he couldn't pray anymore, just like I had prayed for, the, for this tumor not to be cancerous. And Paul received the answer from God, a resounding no. Just like when that neuro-oncologist told me I had cancer, it was like the voice of God saying to me, no. But then Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, explained further to Paul, although the answer is no, Paul, although I will not remove this thorn in your side, my grace will be sufficient. My power is perfected in weakness. That so ministered to Paul that he concluded, well, then when I'm weak, then I'm strong. In the same way, those words that were given to Paul were now received by my soul. And I knew that although the answer was no, his grace was going to be sufficient for me. And somehow in my weakest moments, his power would be displayed. And I concluded the same thing. Well, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So I left Dunkin' Donuts. I drove home. I got out of the car, and then I walked through my neighborhood. I, I walk and I pray. You guys ever take prayer walks through your neighborhood? That's just how I exist. So I'm, I'm walking through my neighborhood, and now I ask God another direct question. All right, God, I feel like I know what you're doing. Now, what should I be doing? How do I cooperate with this work? That was a key prayer. God, how do I cooperate with this? And then I got this sense. It was out of nowhere. I got this sense, a great way to test out God's power and my weakness is to train for and compete in an Ironman triathlon while I'm going through cancer treatment. Crazy, I know. Everybody I told was like, you're crazy. I ran it by my wife. I ran it by some pastoral counselors. And they're like, it's crazy, but I don't know. Why don't you go for it? And I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Because for me, it was a way to practice what I preach. For my daughter to see that my beliefs and my behaviors are integrated. That I wasn't going to veer from my calling or from my faith. But that I truly believed that in my weakness I could be strong. And so Iron Man, it wasn't, it wasn't a lifelong dream of mine. It wasn't on my bucket list. It was simply, I knew that their slogan was, anything's possible. 
And I thought, yeah, for a healthy guy that trains, maybe, maybe that would be pass- possible. But, but for someone who's going through cancer treatment, anything is possible with God. I wanted to do something that was impossible for me myself, but in the power of God, maybe, just maybe, I'd be able to do it. And I wanted my daughter to be able to see that. Now, I don't want to lose anybody here. I think there's two ways I can lose you. One, some of you don't know what an Ironman is. So let me tell you first off what Ironman is. Ironman is a mega triathlon. It's 140.6 miles of consecutive racing that needs to be completed in 17 hours or less. So it's 2.4 miles of swimming, then 113 miles of cycling, and then it's a full marathon, 26.4 miles of running. Uh, So to be an Ironman, you have to do 146 miles of racing in under 17 hours. But as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4.8, physical training is of some good, but training for godliness, that has benefit in this life and the life to come. I believe that there is an iron dad in each one of us. I believe that on a spiritual level, the inner strength that comes from the spirit, I believe all things are possible. And so I've created for myself, as I got dubbed Iron Dad, I I created for myself an Iron Dad creed. You may have picked that up on your way in. If not, you can pick one up on your way out. But uh, this creed says, hey, I'm going to teach by example. I'm going to live a life that is worthy to hand down, that is dedicated to love and resiliency and faith and true spiritual strength. And that creed was forged out of Paul's charge to Titus. And so in Titus chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, this is what Paul says. He charged Titus 2,000 years ago, and I believe he is charging us today. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. So Paul is charging us to be an example. Paul is charging us to integrate our beliefs and our behavior, to take the scriptures so seriously that we live them out every day. See, in verse 7, Paul uses the word example. It's translated into our English language as example. In in Greek, it's tupa. And tupa means a mark made by impact, an imprint. When I meditate on this word tupa, mark made by impact, an imprint, my mind goes to those letters that I write my daughter and the wax seal that I make my mark on. And it makes me think about the next generation and how their hearts are impressionable. They're soft like wax. They're impressionable impressionable for good or for bad. And our actions are like an iron stamp that marks their heart and their life. And we have the opportunity to make a mark for Jesus Christ. But it's not easy. Finishing a triathlon, 
It's hard. Nothing compared to living a consistent faith that those closest to you that look up to you are inspired by. An awe-striking faith that inspires other people towards faith. A love so real that it puts an imprint on the hearts of those that are looking to you to know what it is to be loved. And so for me, I felt like Iron Man was a chance for me to leave an imprint of love and faith on my daughter's heart. And so, after going through a high-risk brain surgery, my brain tumor was right at the center of my brain. I was told that there were only five neurosurgeons in the world qualified to do this surgery. And God led me to one of them. And then God was with this surgeon's hand, and I came out of the surgery unscathed, uh, with no complications, and the entire tumor re removed, which allows me the best chance medically to outlive my prognosis. God was good. And then when my body was just healed enough, just enough for them to start radiation and chemotherapy, I flew out to Houston because I had to go to a, a highly specialized center for radiation, and on the first day of radiation, I told my daughter, I was going to start training for an Ironman triathlon in her honor. And on the first day of radiation, I ran one mile. And it was hard. I felt nauseous. My head hurt. I was fatigued. But I wanted to see her. I wanted her to see me. If she sees me weak and sick and knocked down, I wanted her to see me get back up and to press on. And so I ran one mile. After the end of the five weeks of radiation, I was running 20 miles. Then I came back. I had to learn how to swim. I didn't know how to swim competitively. I had to learn how to swim. Then I had to learn how to cycle. And it was so hard. It was so hard. You know how it's hard to get out of bed to work out? Man, it is so hard when you wake up and you feel all of the side effects of cancer treatment. When you're feeling nauseous, when you're feeling fatigued, when you have headache, it is so hard to train. But I knew my daughter was watching. I knew she heard my words that I dedicated this race to her, and I knew I had to find strength in Jesus and press on. And so every morning before I'd get up for training, I would pray, Lord, give me strength. And although it was hard, he gave me what I needed to get through each day's workout. And then things got harder. This is 2020 that I'm going through all of this. Uh, you guys know what happened in 2020? Yeah, a little pandemic came on the scene, shut down all my training facilities. And uh, the race is getting closer. I need to, I need to finish this up. But uh, there's nowhere for me to swim. I've been swimming in a pool. And it is not wise to do open water swimming alone. And so I told some friends that I needed a, a swimming partner. And somebody got me connected to this guy right here, Pastor Eric who was swimming at the back bay. And here's a picture of us uh, right after a swim. This guy got me through. I'd met him one time like over a decade ago, and he's like, yeah, come out and swim with me. And we started swimming every Friday, and we'd swim, and then we'd bike after. And I grew to love this guy. He is awesome. And I want to ask you, if he is leading your church, and he's the type of guy that bears other people's burdens, whose burdens are you bearing right now? Who are you coming alongside of right now, helping carry their hardships? He was there for me. Lots of other people were there for me. I couldn't do it alone, and I couldn't do it on my strength. It's only by 
God's strength and God's church that we're able to do the things that he's calling us to do. So somehow, some way, I keep training. And then all of the Ironman races start getting canceled. Uh, first, my original race was canceled. I, I transferred. The next race was canceled. And then all of them were canceled. Finally, Ironman came out and just said, no more races uh, for this year. I was devastated. At this point, my training as it was starting to stretch on, it started to take a toll on my family life. I was doing this for my family, and now it was working against me. And I didn't know, I didn't know if I should just abandon the whole idea. And then I got a call from Iron Man. I was an Iron Man Foundation athlete. They sponsored me, and they said, Jay, we're going to do our first ever full-distance virtual race on October 9th. Would you take that on? And I thought, that's a lot of work. Because you, you pay Iron Man big dollars for them to coordinate the race for you. And there's something about competing with thousands of other athletes that keeps you going. And I thought about saying no. But then I realized that I had an opportunity handed to me again. Now we weren't going to get on a plane and fly to Australia. Now we weren't going to get in a car and go to Northern California. Now I got a chance to plan my own race so that I could swim in the Pacific Ocean, ride up PC, the Pacific Coast Highway, then do my marathon in such a way that I could land at the finish line right at my front door. And the idea of going the distance for my daughter. There's no distance that could stop me from getting home to her. That became such a motivating factor. And so I told Iron Man, yeah, I'll do it. 150 volunteers came together, many of them from this church. Thank you again for your support. Uh, 150 volunteers come together to put on this race. And at 4 a.m., the morning of the race, my alarm goes off. It's dark. I pray like I always do, Lord, give me your strength. And I felt good. I didn't feel nauseous. I didn't have a headache. I wasn't fatigued because I was on an adrenaline rush at that moment. I felt good. I got out of bed. I double-checked all my equipment bags. I got in the van, and I headed down to the coast. And when I got there, I had about 100 friends waiting for me to cheer me on as I got started. I came to the start line. The air horn blew, and I ran for the water. I got in the water. It's a cold shock when you get in there but it exhilarated me. I started swimming. If you've ever been in the back bay down in uh, Newport, you know there's this long footbridge that goes across it. As I was swimming, uh, I, would, I would take a breath and I'd be able to see the, the people on the footbridge. There's all these people with Iron Dad flags going back and forth and people running back and forth. I could hear them cheering for me. And as I took a breath and came out, I saw my daughter and we locked eyes. And she got this huge smile on her face. She started jumping up and down. She started waving. And I just happened to be at this point in my stroke where my hand was up, and I waved to her and kept going. And she brought me joy. And then I get out of the water. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I just warmed up after a 2.4-mile swim. I'm feeling ready to go. I get on my bike, and uh, Eric rode with me because to do 115 miles alone, that's a bummer. So I said, bro, you're training for an Ironman. Why don't you come with me? And he did. 
I was like, awesome. So we got on our bikes, we headed out. We had a police escort that was closing down all the intersections and we just laughed and we smiled. We had so much fun. It was the best bike ride of my life. And I learned that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I came off of the bike. Now, you know, 115 miles in, I come off of the bike. I put on my shoes and I felt so good. I start running first mile in, I had a, a guy who was pacing me, and I asked him, Jimmy, what, what's, our, what's our pace? And he told me what it is, and it was way too fast. It's like, okay, I got to slow down. And then a, a, to the second mile, I thought, we slow down, right? I asked him, what's our pace? It was still way too fast. And I thought to myself, maybe, maybe the Lord's strength is so much that I'm just going to crush my time. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. But before I had a chance to put that into practice on mile two, oh, it made a turn for the worse. See, I knew that chemotherapy was going to become a battle in this race. I knew somehow. I was really worried about muscle cramping. But what I didn't think about is chemotherapy really wrecks your digestive system. And so, uh, at two miles into the run, all of my nutrition, all of my hydration had just been sitting in my stomach, but I didn't know it. Because on a bike, you're not bouncing up and down, but when you start running, you start bouncing. And all that that was in my stomach didn't want to stay there anymore. And I realized I can't even take a sip of water without it coming up. There is no way I'm gonna survive a marathon on chemotherapy with no water, and I realized my race is going to be over. There's no way. And then I prayed a simple prayer. God, help. Have you ever prayed that prayer? There was nothing else to it. God, help. And guess what? I still felt sick. I felt terrible, but I just kept going. I just kept pressing on. Ten miles into it, this thought in the back of my head, how many miles can I go before my body just cramps up and no matter how much mental fortitude I have, my body just won't take another step. I've made it ten miles and with each mile I'm feeling worse and worse. How long can I go? And then my coach, who'd flown out from Idaho, she found out that I was sick. She tracked me down. She found out what the next aid station was, and she met me there. She brought her running shoes. She put those on, and she started running beside me. We started troubleshooting what's going on, and she had a, um, some salt tablets. She said, I promised myself I wouldn't give these to you because you never change your nutrition plan on the day of a race. She said, I promised I wouldn't give these to you, and this, this might work, or this might sink the rest of your race. It's up to you. And I decided to take the salt tablets. I put them underneath my tongue, and within 15 minutes, I could feel the nutrition absorbing through my gut. I felt strength return to me. I could take sips of water. I could be hydrated, and I knew I have a chance at doing this thing. And I wanna ask you, who do you have beside you in this endurance race of faith, who is beside you? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You need people beside you walking along with you if you're ever going to complete the race of faith. 
And I praise God that she showed up, she, she problem solved, she got me where I needed to go because all of a sudden, I was just one mile away from my house. I started racing when it was dark. The sun came up, now the sun had gone back down. And as I got closer to my house, there was about 100 friends in my front yard. I could hear them. I could hear them laughing. I could hear just the joy that they had. And when they saw me coming down the street, I heard my best friend, Kevin Mowong, just go, yeah, Jay! And the joy of the Lord is my strength. I had all the strength I needed to come down that last mile. And as I turned the corner at the finish line was my wife and my daughter. And I locked eyes on them. And I crossed the finish line. I kissed my wife. And I got down on one knee with my daughter. And I said, if I can do it, you can do it. Go after the dreams that the Lord puts in your heart. Expect that life will knock you down. But when it does, do not let go of the hope of Jesus Christ. Get up in his strength and press on, girl, press on. If I can do it, you can do it. And I say that to every single one of you in here. If I can do it, you can do it. You don't have to go run an Ironman. You don't even have to be a parent. But if I can do it, you can do it. And we've all got something, right? We all have something in our life right now that's a huge obstacle. Don't compare it to cancer because hard is hard. You have something difficult in your life and it is difficult. And we all in the strength of the Lord can do hard things. And in the difficulty, in your weakness, there is opportunity. What opportunity is before you? Our God promises us to give us his strength. Our God promises to make the most of all things, to work all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And he commands us with that strength to make the most of every opportunity, even in these evil days. What opportunity is before you? If you don't give up, if you hold on to the hope of Jesus and press on, the Lord will do wonderful things through you. And he will use you to make the mark of his son Jesus on the hearts of others. You can make an impact. The first step, the first step that I have for you today for making a mark on someone else is by signing your mark. I brought these Iron Dad creeds. And an indication to yourself, take it, read over it. Like I said, it's been forged from Titus chapter 2 verses six and seven. This isn't some weird thing that I've made up. Read over it, meditate on it, pray through it, and then just sign your name where it says iron. Just write in there, sign your name and say, I will be this type of person who teaches by example, who hands down a life that's dedicated to love, resiliency, faith, and true spiritual strength. If you live a life that's dedicated to those things, that's the way of Jesus by the way, if you live a life dedicated to those things, you will make an impact. Your example will make an impact on the hearts of those who are looking up to you. Your example will make an imprint of love and faith on the hearts of those who are looking to you. Not for your glory, but all glory to God 
and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a blessing. Why don't we stand? Let me bless you this way. Father God, bless my friends. Bless my friends with insight, with insight to see how your scriptures can be integrated into their lives. Father God, bless my friends with insight to see the opportunity that lies in the obstacles that are before them. And then bless them with strength and resiliency. Bless them with strength and resiliency to follow a life of faith and not veer from that. And God, bless them with a life that impacts others for the name and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.